Oh, good morning. Welcome, welcome. I'm Pastor David, one of the pastors here. Um, as Pastor Mark has said, well, I want to welcome all the campuses, our online campus, um, the chapel, the forest, and Northside Madison. Uh, welcome, and uh, thank you all for joining us this morning as we begin our new series, Acts, Jesus Builds His Church. And uh, Acts is uh, one of those real um, great books um, um, we're going to be looking at chapter 2, which is one of my favorite chapters in the, in the New Testament. Um, but um, I want to, you know, first before I uh, jump into to the sermon uh, this morning, I want to um, thank you all for your prayers, uh, for praying for me and my wife as we um, battled COVID um, last week and missed Easter for the first time, I think, that I can ever remember. It's like, wait a minute, a pastor not going to church on Easter? Oh, is that sinful? I mean, what? You know, I was like, oh, no. But no, you know, we were sick, and um, uh, thank you uh, for praying for us. We are recovered and, um, you know, slowly getting back to normal. Uh, I remember um, when I was um, coming, when I came back, when I was coming back to work, I remember thinking, I said, you know, when, you, when you're getting older, you know, you don't bounce back from sickness like, like you used to. You know, I said, but, you know, I'm young. I can, I can do it. So um, I was up. Um, one day until like 3 o'clock in the morning um, working on my sermon because I had missed a couple days because I was sick. So I said, I got I to gotta, I gotta do some work here. So I'm working on it 3 o'clock in the morning. I finally get in the bed, and I'm, you know, I'm still feeling energized. Like, wow, this is, you know, the, young, the youngness is, is sticking with me. I'm, I'm feeling, <laughs> feeling pretty good. Uh, got up the next morning, you know, didn't sleep in, you know, got up, went, went to the office, working, and, you know, still Still riding on that man. I thought I thought age was catching up. Age, that's just a number. I'm I'm doing good. And about two thirty, <laughs> about two thirty, something jumped on my back and said, "You're going down." And I was like, "Oh, there it goes." Uh, I guess I, I guess I thought I thought I was gonna get away with it, but I went home, kicked my shoes off, got on the couch. I was out. Three hours. Three hours I was out. I said, you know, praise God. At least I'm not, you know, real, real, real sick. You know, I'm, I'm a little tired, but God is good. I'm feeling good today. And um, again, me and my wife, we're feeling good. And we just, we just thank you all so much for your prayers. All right? Amen. So Jesus builds his church as we begin our new series in Acts. Um, the purpose of the book of Acts, um, some it's also called the Acts of the Apostles. Um, the purpose is to give an accurate account of the birth of the Christian church, okay? The birth and the growth of the Christian church. And there are several themes that you're going to see for the next um, um, several weeks as we are, are studying Acts. Several themes are going to kind of go through the book of Acts. Um, the church beginnings, the Holy Spirit, um, church growth, witnessing, and opposition. And as you can imagine, anything that God does, anything that the Lord's hand is in, there's always going to be opposition, right? 
Anything that you're doing good, anything that you're building on and building up, there's going to be opposition. And what opposition really is is resistance. It's resistance. And the church had to, needed to go through resistance in order for the church to build itself up. It's just like we need to go through resistance. When we're trying to, to work out, when we're trying to um, build ourselves up, trying to build our strength, we need to do things that offer resistance in order so we can build our strength. So when, when I'm in the gym, whenever that is, when I'm in the gym and I'm working out, um, I don't go for the light stuff. I go for, well... I, <laughs> I should preface that. I don't go for the heavy stuff either, but I go, I go for whatever offers resistance. And whatever offers resistance helps me for a better workout. So the church goes through that, the opposition. Even if you're in a ministry or, you know, whatever that you might be involved with and you're seeing you're facing opposition, that's okay. It's okay. Just hang in there because it's resistance and it's going to build you up. All right? So the church <clears throat> is being built up through <clears throat> the opposition. So we're going to see all the way through Acts how that is. So we're going to be looking at the beginning, though, of the church. And uh, Jesus builds his church. <clears throat> when I think about a building, um, I remember when the north side was, was being remodeled. And I was uh, in there looking at the, the structure and everything. And I see these big beams going through on the ceiling. I was like, wow, those are some huge beams. And, um, you know, and then they were connected to some columns that were, you know, metal and, 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 and they were connected to the foundation. And I was saying, you know, these are, these are things that are necessary. They're load-bearing beams that help to distribute the, the, the pressure of the building or the weight of the building, helps the structure stay safe and remain the way it's supposed to be. And I said, those are so important. Now, the beams were an inconvenience because we wanted the, the sanctuary to be like a gymnasium. And, of course, we can't have kids running into columns um, coming down. So the columns, not beams, but the columns seem to be an inconvenience. And sometimes in church there are going to be things that seem to be inconvenient, but they're necessary. The columns were necessary because it helped with holding the structure up. The beams are necessary because it distributes the weight and everything in the building. So when Jesus builds his church, there are load-bearing themes that we must have as a Christ-following church. And we're going to look at some of those themes uh, today, those load-bearing themes. Every Christian church, every church that follows Jesus Christ must have a theme of the gospel, the truth. The truth must be preached. Now, Luke tells us in Luke 9, 6, he says, so they set out and went from village to village proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. So the church has got to have the gospel. If you're in a church or if you're thinking about going to church and it doesn't have a load-bearing theme that's the gospel, get out. Because the gospel is the truth. Amen. And he said, you will know the truth, and the truth will do what? Amen. All right? So it's got to have that theme running through it. The second is faith. Okay? We got to have faith. We demonstrate our faith through our hope and through our love and through what we do. Luke says in 17, 5, 6, the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. 
He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey. So if your church is not talking about faith, better get out of there because the weight, the structure is not safe. <laughs> Third beam or theme, evangelism. All right, what is evangelism? It's witnessing, right? Spreading the word. Luke says in 10, 1 and 2, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Evangelism. And as we're going to find out and see later on in Acts, how important witnessing and evangelizing is. you got to spread the word. And the final theme is service. Service. Missions. We're talking about serve week. Service. Serving others. Luke says in 22, he says that when, when they were having a discussion about who's the greatest, he said, but you are not like to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater than the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not one who is at the table? He said, but I'm among you as one who serves. So Jesus showed us greatness by his service. Jesus said, I didn't come to the world to be served, but to serve. So we, the church, we show our greatness not by people serving us, but by us serving people, by us going out, getting involved with Serve Week, doing the things that God has laid on our heart to do. When we have these low-bearing themes running through our church, then we are a great church that's following Christ. Amen? Amen. And so he's going to, Luke, Luke goes on as, 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 as he writes um, the book here, um, um, Luke, and he writes Acts. Um, some fun facts, some um, facts about Acts that I want to share with you. Okay, Acts was authored by who? Luke. Mm -hmm. Acts is the second of Luke's book, okay, the Gospel of Luke being the first. Acts, I, I like this because Acts connects the Gospels to the epistles, starting with Romans. It brings it all together. Acts' two main characters are Peter and Paul. <clears throat> Acts records the birth of the church. Acts covers the first 30 years of the church. Acts records the first evangelistic sermon by Peter in chapter 2. Acts records the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, chapter 2, which we're going to see. Get ready. Yeah. Acts records the story of the first Christian martyr, who is Stephen. And Acts also records Paul's conversion, or from Saul to Paul on the road to Damascus. And so Acts, there are some great um, facts about Acts. And so as, as, as you study it this week and uh, throughout the weeks and as, as the sermons are coming, just make sure that you always read ahead, get ahead, and just see what the Lord is saying. All right? So turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Grab your Bibles, please. Chapter 1 of Acts. We'll also have the scripture on, on, the, the, on the screen. Now, as I say, it, it, it looks like um, 
you know, I do have my Bible up here, um, but I have my scripture on my paper because why do I do that? Because it's a larger font. <laughs> and I can see it. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> oh. All right, Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, okay, this is Luke, Luke saying in his former book, which is Luke, which are all the scriptures I referred to as we went through, through the themes. And Theophilus, which means lover of God, who uh, the Greek, um, is, a, is a Greek uh, name, Theophilus. Um, some people say, was he a person or was it, was it a title? Um, he was one that Luke was writing to, both Luke and and the Acts, all right? So Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, he had chosen. So we have here um, Luke writing this, and he says he's going to give instructions to his apostles and, to, and for what they ought to do, what they should do as they await the promise of the Father. It says, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. And that refers back to Luke 24, 49. He says, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. All right, so when you, you were received the gift from my father, what he has promised, which you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So here is the promise. Here is, is, is Luke writing, and he's encouraging and saying, um, by the words of the Lord Jesus, saying, I want you to wait for further instructions because the promise that my father has promised you is coming. Forty days, Jesus walked with them, showed them proofs that he, was, that he was still alive. And then he said, in a few days, you will receive power from the Father. And what power is Jesus referring to? The Holy Spirit. So Jesus empowers the church. So our, our, our message today is the empowered church. We are the empowered church. We are not weaklings. We are empowered. We have power from Christ. And look at what this power is going to do. It says, they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you going to at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, listen to that. You will receive what? Power. When what? When the Holy Spirit comes on you. Not before, but when, after the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will receive power. Now, we're not talking about superhero power. We're not talking about power to leap a tall building in a single bound or power to stop a locomotive. We're talking about power to live right, power to reach the world, power to preach the gospel, power to care for others, power to forgive, 
power to live right. Power to face the enemy and say, you will have no authority over me. He said, you will receive power. Now, what good is it to be a follower of Jesus and not have power? That's like having a building with everything in it, but there's no power. We'd be sitting in here in the dark. What good would that do, people? But Jesus gives the church power. He says, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will receive power. Well, what do we need that power for? He said, you will be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, you check out the, um, the, when you, you see the map of, of, of the area that um, Samaria and, and, and Judea and, and, and Jerusalem, is that Jesus let them know that the gospel is not limited to a geographical area. The gospel is not limited to a demographic, to a race, or to a culture. The gospel is for everyone. The gospel is not to be kept to yourself. It's to be taken to the world. Now, you will be witnesses, which means you will attest to the greatness of our Lord. You will testify of the goodness of Jesus Christ. You are witnesses. You will show proof that he is alive. You will be proof that he is the Messiah. You're going to tell those who, th- who you think don't deserve to hear it. They do deserve to hear it because the gospel is for everyone. The gospel is for the kids, it's for the adults, it's for the aging, it's for those who are, 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 are uneducated, it's for those who are educated, the rich, the poor, it's for everyone. So what do we need the power? If I just had a mouth to talk, isn't that enough? No, because the Lord's words, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the, 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 uh, the power of the Holy Spirit, which convicts the hearts of those that hear the gospel. See, aren't you glad that you don't have to con- convince people? Aren't you glad you don't have to beat people down and say, here, accept the gospel, accept it? No, you just tell it. Tell your story. Give your testimony how Jesus saved you. And that right there, my brothers and sisters, is a witness. You are witnessing. On your job, be a witness. In your neighborhood, be a witness. Amongst your family, be a witness. That might be your Judea. Your job might be your Samaria. Your community might be your Jerusalem. To the uttermost parts of the earth. You see, here at Door Creek, when we talk about service, service starts at home. It starts here, and then we spread it abroad. We start here. All week long, we're going to be serving locally right here. That's taking the gospel. That's witnessing in Jerusalem. And then some of you are going to take it to Judea and Samaria, not literally. And some to the uttermost parts of the earth. Being online, we're, we're reaching people all over the world. Isn't that good? Woo, hallelujah. That's the power of the gospel. It can't be restricted. It can't be shut down. And it can't be stopped. 
So Jesus tells them, you're going to be witnesses. You're going to go. You're going to preach. You're going to teach. You're going to reach the world. But you got to wait for the power. This brings us to chapter 2. Chapter 2. Verse 1. When the day of Pentecost, which means 50, Pentecost. Now, that's the 40 days that Jesus walked and showed proofs. And then he told them to go wait a few days, which was 10 days that they waited. 40 plus 10 is 50, all right? So they waited, about 120 people. It says, when it came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them. Let's get it. Let's understand. There's 120 people here, all right, in, in, in this room. It says they were in one place, one accord, all right? And it says all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And what happened? And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, this is important. As the Spirit enabled them, not as they conjured up something, not uh, that they were uh, uh, saying, ooh, I feel like doing this because this feels good. No, the Spirit enabled them. Nothing, it, it, when you go on your computer and you have certain apps and certain things that you want to, to work, you have to go in and, and enable it, right? You got to enable it. If you don't enable it, it won't work. The Holy Spirit enabled those people that were in the room to speak in other tongues. They were speaking in other languages, other dialects, languages that they had not learned. So here they are speaking. And who do we have in the room? They were filled, they were enabled, and they began to speak the wonders of God. They began to worship God. They began to praise God in a tongue that they had not learned. The miraculous power of the Holy Spirit filled them. So they started, I, I imagine they were saying things like, glory be to God. Hallelujah. Bless that wonderful name of Jesus in another language. And they didn't know what they were saying, but the witnesses, the people around heard them speaking the wonders of God in their own native language like what they heard them speaking their own native language and said how are these Galileans speaking our native tongue it was the power of the Holy Spirit they were praising God they were probably amazed and saying I don't even know what I'm saying but it feels mighty good you see how God can unify the people, the tongues. Now, this is like a reversal of the Tower of Babel when, when God confused their language and they couldn't communicate. Now, here God is giving them a language, so they're communicating in other languages the power of God. Woo! Hallelujah! They are blessing him. They are lifting him. They are magnifying him. They are saying, God, you are good. I imagine this. I'm not, I don't, I'm not sure exactly what they were saying, but I know what I would be saying. You're a great God. You're wonderful. You're the Messiah. Thank you, Jesus. All of those great, and they're saying it in a language they did not learn. 
I remember in college, my wife, she said, ooh, honey, you should take French. I was like, French? Why? I want you to speak to me in French. <laughs> I said, okay. I showed up at the class, first day of school, university, UW campus. I go in, the TA comes in, and she starts teaching class in French. And I'm like, what in the world? I said, I'm taking the class. I don't know the language. I'm taking it. And, and, and uh, she's like, uh, you know, well, that's, that's the way it is on the UW campus. You got to know when you come in. It's like, well, I have no idea. So I hung in that class for about a week. <laughs> Every day she comes in, she starts speaking, you know, French. And I'm like, no idea. Uh, bonjour, oui, oui. <laughs> <laughs> I got that. <laughs> so finally, the TA says, hmm, you know what? Maybe you should try Spanish. <laughs> it's a much easier language. And, um, you know, and I hadn't had Spanish since middle school. You know, she said, you know, you'll probably be really good at Spanish. And I said, well, my, you know, I'm thinking, well, my wife doesn't want me speaking <laughs> Spanish. She wants me to speak to her in French. I needed the Holy Spirit to do some <laughs> enabling, you know, so I could talk to my wife in French. So I signed up for the Spanish. I hung in there with the Spanish class. Um, you know, I, I think I just have the, the kind of brain that just doesn't catch foreign language really well, you know, because Spanish was just as much of a struggle for me. You know, I, but I hung in there. I hung in there. Um, yeah. I did learn more Spanish than I did French, but I needed the miraculous gift of the Holy Spirit to help me out. You see, here, these people, it's not a matter of pass and fail. It's a matter of them worshiping God and, and, and giving Jesus the praise and, and, and blessing him. But they couldn't witness to the people around them unless they could communicate the language. So the Holy Spirit moved upon them. It says, who do we have here in the room? It says, uh, God-fearing people from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each, of, each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hear our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, Residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Paphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts of Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God. What are they doing? They're not jibber-jabbering. They're declaring the wonders of God in our own language. They are speaking mighty glorification to the Lord Jesus Christ. They are speaking power in the Lord Jesus Christ, but they're speaking miraculously because they do not know our language. Do you see what God can do? His miraculous power, what it can do for you? 
how he empowers the church to do his work. We should never feel as though we don't have what we need. If we have God, we got what we need. If we have the Holy Spirit working and moving through us, then we will have what we need. He supplies the power. He gives power to the church. The church, uh, 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 they say the church is like a spiritual hospital, right? That uh, people come, you don't come here because you're well or because you got it all together. I know I've heard people say, I'll come to church when I get it all together. I say, well, y'all never see you because you'll never get it all together. But the church is a place for the hurting to come. It's a place for the imperfect to come. It's a place for people like me to come who struggle, who struggle of, of, of sometimes loving myself or being confident about myself. It's, it's for those who feel like no one cares. You come to the spiritual hospital and the Holy Spirit works in your heart and he lets you know that you're loved. He lets you know that you're cared for. He lets you know that you can make it. That's what we need. That's what the church has been empowered. You've been empowered to forgive. You've been empowered to offer a shoulder for someone to cry on. You've been empowered to listen to someone struggle. You've been empowered to embrace someone. You've been empowered to pick them up. Amen, church. Amen. Amen. You've been empowered. Don't sit on your power. Don't sit on your power. What good is it to have a beautiful edifice, a beautiful building, all the ministries, all the bells and whistles, all the nice groups, all the, the great worship teams and all the great teachers, but have no power. You see, on any construction site, the construction men and women, they can bring the cement, the wood, the pipes, the wiring, all of that, they can bring it but they don't turn on the power. That only comes from one other source or from other source. They can't. So we can do this. We can build, but our building is in vain if we don't have the power. Can you say amen? amen. If you don't have the power. So no matter how good a person sings, teaches, prays, leads, if you don't have the power, of the Holy Spirit working through you. And it's all in vain. The church is empowered. The Holy Spirit is moving through them. Even to the point that said some of them made fun of them because they said they had too much wine. So they couldn't grasp the miraculous power that the Holy Spirit was presenting. They said they had too much wine. No, I've heard people who are drunk speak. <laughs> I've heard the slurs. Yeah, heard them. These people weren't speaking as though they were drunk. There were words. And I, I know drunk people have said things, and I said, what, what did they say? <laughs> These people recognize what was being said. They recognize the worship and the praise of our Lord Jesus Christ. So to conclude here, when we are empowered as the church, realize that we are authorized, we are licensed, we are certified, we are equipped, okay? We are equipped to do the work of the Lord. We are commissioned. Door Creek, 
online visitors, whoever you're listening, you have been equipped because the Holy Spirit is on the church. There's not another Acts 2 that's going to happen. The day of Pentecost came and the Holy Spirit came. When Jesus said, and when, when it was prophesied in Joel, in the last day, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Listen, the Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit is here. We're not waiting for another Russian mighty wind. It's here. The Holy Spirit is here. It's in every one of us who are followers of Jesus, who have given our hearts to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is in you. So let's walk in his power. Let's walk in his authority. Let's walk in his miracles. Let's be a light for Jesus. Let's witness to others. You know, don't say, oh, I'm, I'm shy to talk. I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed to talk. Listen, if God brought you out of darkness into the marvelous light, you ought to stand up and let somebody know he's real. Amen. You ought to let someone know that he can save. From the, from the guttermost to the uttermost, he can save. Because he saved you and he saved me. So if you haven't given your heart to Jesus Christ, the one that they are talking about, the one that they are speaking about. If you haven't given your heart to Jesus and say, I want Jesus in my heart. I want to be saved. I want to be a follower of Jesus. Will you give your heart today? Will you accept Jesus into your life? The Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That can be you today. Will you pray this prayer with me this morning? Giving your heart to Jesus. Just repeat these words. You can say it out loud or you can say it in a whisper, but just say it in your heart. You could be at home right now, maybe at one of the campuses. Will you pray this prayer to accept Jesus into your heart? Let's pray. Dear Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner. Forgive me for all my sins. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died for my sins. He rose for my life. Today, by grace, through faith, I am saved in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we praise God for you. Um, we thank God that you are a follower of Jesus. And um, we just invite you um, to grow in his grace and um, find a church. You might be wondering, like, what now? Well, get involved so you can continue to develop in our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.